you have your Bible, open it up to Luke chapter 9. We've been going through Luke uh, since January at rocket speed. That's why we're already in Luke chapter 9. And at this rate, it's going to be two or two and a half years of Luke. I'm in no hurry, are you? This is a very thick Bible, and it's full of so much life, and we're learning so much. And as we study Luke and, and his words, Luke was a physician. He crossed every T, dotted every I, and he did it with diligence so that we would know who Jesus is. And I appreciate that. I appreciate that through the writing of Luke, we can have a very clear picture into who Jesus is. I don't know about you, but that's who I want to line my life after. I'm finding so much beauty in, in the words um, written through Luke. And so let's go to Luke chapter 9. We're looking at um, eight, verses 18 through 27 today. I'm going to read through it once, Luke chapter 9, 18 through 27. Read through it once, and then we'll go back and just see what God may have for us. Luke 9, 18 says this. Once when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him, he asked them, who do the crowds say I am? Verse 19, they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still, and still others that one of the prophets of long ago has come back to life. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Peter answered, God's Messiah. Verse 21, Jesus strictly warned them not to tell this to anyone. And he said, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and he must be killed. And on the third day, be raised to life. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever, whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Verse 26, whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Truly, I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God. Would you right now just pray? Just quietly to yourself, just pray that the words that come out um, are exactly what God wants to speak. Pray for me as, as I begin to communicate here. And pray that God would open your heart to his word today. As we look at these verses... Um, once again, I found myself throughout the week looking at them. Once again, I found myself looking at words and asking God to reveal some incredible truth um, for us as Church Project, as Ecclesia today, and many things were jumping out. So if you have four hours, let's just have coffee and let's talk about this. If not, go to House Church on Friday and begin talking about it. And on a side note, Jake and Amy's House Church is meeting at Jared's house this week. So, side note right there. Welcome to our traveling house churches. <laughs> but as I was praying through this, a lot of things jumped out. And, and right, off the, right off the bat in verse 18, once when Jesus was praying in private, how many times have we seen, sorry, how many times have we seen this? How many times have we seen after Jesus has done a miracle or before he goes into a miracle, we see Jesus, what, going off and praying in private, which always grabs me. It always grabs me because I'm always in a rush. Are you? 
I'm, I'm always going from point A to B or point A to C and skipping B. I'm always moving at 100 miles an hour. My checklist is so big. I could wake up and move from the time I get up to the time I go to bed and not eat and barely have time for anything else. How about you? Are we moving at rocket speed through life? The answer for me is yes, it is. How is your prayer life? And it's a pretty simple question. How is your prayer life? It's one of those Christian Christian questions that come across our plate sometimes. We hear it and we're like, oh, it's good, I pray. What does it look like? What does it really look like to pray? What do you think it looked like in verse 18 here when it says Jesus was praying in private? What do you think that looked like? What would it look like for Jesus to be praying for, to his Father? What does it look like for us to cry out to God in the morning when we wake up, as we go about our day, before we lay down at night, just part of who we are? What does it look like to pray to Jesus? Like our life depends on it. We see multiple times in Scripture where Jesus is, is by himself and he's praying, and one in particular that I can think of as the most graphic is right before the cross. Remember that? In the garden of Gethsemane, he's, he's there and he's praying and he's, he's, he's crying out. Unlike anyway, I've, I've never cried out the way Jesus was in this garden. Because it says what? He prayed with such fervor, with such passion that what happened? He sweat blood drops. I, there's a lot of us in nursing in here and in school for nursing. I don't know what that takes. To, I don't know what happens physiologically. I, I've, heard, I've heard doctors speak on this before, and it's pretty gross, so I don't, won't even try. But how much would it take for a body to go through in order to bleed um, or sweat drops of blood? See, Jesus is praying. He prays all the night in the Garden of Gethsemane. Right now, he, he's, he's praying. He's going through a lot of things in life, and he's spending time with God. Where do you and I find our advice? Like if you, if you have something that you're struggling through or, or a question in your life or, or something you don't have an answer for, where do we find our advice? I know where I find it, ask.com. Or Oprah. Or... Any, anyone that's in my phone book, like I'll roll, I'll roll through my iPhone and I'll grab someone and say, hey, pray for me, or what do you think of this? How many of you do that? Where does our advice come from? And where should it come from? Where does our identity, Scripture, where does our identity come from? Where does who we are come from? Oftentimes I fall in the spot where I'm looking to you for my identity. I'm looking to you for my advice, my brothers and sisters. And that, that's okay to a degree. The counsel of many, godly men and women, truth comes out and we hold each other accountable. And that's beautiful. I love that. And that, that's God ordained. But in the deepest of question right here, where do you find your identity and where do you seek your advice? If you ever come to me before you seek God, then my words are going to be meaningless. See, we say it oftentimes, you can take a water to a horse, but you can't make them drink, right? Or for villages in, in Africa or something, you know, we can, we can give them food, but how much better would it be to teach them how to grow food? As Christians, our identity should be found in nothing, in no one else other than Jesus Christ and what the Scripture says. How is your prayer life? Are you clinging on to this Scripture like Jesus was? Are you clinging on to it like it's your life source? Because guess what? Newsflash. It is. 
How is your prayer life? When our world comes crashing in, where do we go to find our identity? Where do we go for advice on what to do in life? Where do we go? If it's anywhere other than Scripture and Jesus, then we've put it in the wrong place. See, I try in my life. I've started something in the last couple of weeks because I've realized I just, I'm too fast. I'm always moving. In the last couple of weeks, I've tried, okay, I wake up, and the very first thing that I, I go through is the Lord's Prayer in my head. And I try to go really slow through it. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. And I pause, and I think about how hallowed God's name be. I don't know if I said that right, but it's a weird language anyway. So I think about that. And I slowly go through that. And just maybe, just maybe, it's going to affect my heart that day. And maybe, just maybe, it's going to affect my mind that day. And just maybe, just maybe, when my foot hits the ground for the first time that day, I'm actually focusing on who he is and who I am in, in him instead of my checklist of what it needs to get done. Because I've probably hit snooze three times anyways, and I'm in a hurry. Where do we find our identity? Do you and I cry out to God in excess? I hope so. Because when our world comes crashing in, he's the only thing that will remain. That's verse 18. I kind of like that. I mean, that's the first part of verse 18. I lied to you. Because the next part of it that I want to talk about is, is the second half of verse 18. He was praying in private, and his disciples were all with him and asked him, who do the crowds say I am? Who do the crowds say I am? <laughs> is it possible to be following Jesus and to not know him? Seriously, is it possible to be following Jesus and not know him? We've seen already, if we look back through the last couple chapters in Luke, that people are following him in droves, hundreds, thousands of people. We just saw a miracle of Jesus feeding 5,000 people, maybe 10,000 men and, and women and children, 15,000 people are there. Like this man is known, and people are leaving the comforts of their homes, of the city. They're following him into the wilderness. They're following him all over the place. They're going out, and they haven't planned, remember? Because they went out to listen to Jesus talk, and then the dads of the families were probably like, uh-oh, my family's hungry. <laughs> what are we doing? Like, they're abandoning everything, and they're following after this man because his teaching is full of so much life. And we get to this part in verse 18, and he asks his disciples, he says, who do the crowds say that I am? Is it possible to be following Jesus and to not know him? Or even better, this might be a better question, even in the context of this, of this passage right here. Do the people here, do they, maybe they believe in Jesus, but do they have the wrong picture of who Jesus is? Like so far, it would be easy to jump on the bandwagon because the Cowboys have won the Super Bowl the last 16 years to like the Cowboys, right? Or Broncos, I'll say Broncos. Or in this case, it would be so easy to jump on the bandwagon of Jesus because he's healing people, he's feeding people, he's doing these miracles. There's energy, there's synergy, and, and you think it's really cool, and everyone's going out there, so you go out there as well. Is it possible to be following Jesus and to not know him? And at a minimum, I think the people had the wrong picture, the wrong identity of who Jesus is. See, they believed in spiritual things. They believed in the spiritual things, but they were wrong. They didn't know who Jesus was. That's why he's asking the question, who do the crowds say that I am? And if we look down through the verses here, some of them say John the Baptist. Well, you can kind of understand that because John the Baptist was kind of weird. He lived out in the wilderness. He was an Essenes, part of the Essenes group. He was out there. 
And Jesus doesn't have a home. He's always traveling. So some people think he must be like John the Baptist. Other people say, as we look through here, that, you know, he, he might be one of the, the fathers of before time. He might be one of the prophets, maybe Elijah, Elisha, Micah, Obadiah. I mean, they're, they're thinking all this stuff. They have, they have no idea. If you look back to verse 7 and 8, even what Herod thought, who is this Jesus? What is he doing? All this incredible stuff. See, everyone had their opinion of who Jesus was, but they were all wrong. They had the wrong identity of who Jesus was. Is it possible for us to be following Jesus and to not know him? That's a really good question, by the way, house church pastors to ask. <laughs> Is it possible for you and I to be following Jesus and to not know him? Is it possible to be going to church and to be listening to the Bible and his word every single week and to leave unaffected? Is it possible? Yes. It's possible to go and follow after him as he heals and he does incredible things in our life and we have the wrong picture of him. What do you believe about Jesus? What do you believe about who he says he is? If he were to sit here and to ask you, who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? What would you say? My redeemer. My Let's go. What else? My Redeemer. We can open it up. What else? Who would you say Jesus is? My Savior. Only hope. My only hope. My fear is that a lot of people go to church and are looking for what Jesus can do for them. And that simply does not line up with Scripture at all. There's a lot of teaching in America and American churches that Jesus is here for you. And you're not here for him. And a very selfish teaching. My fear is that people in church, maybe even in church project today, we're chasing after Jesus, and we think we know that he, who he is. We think, but we're just more drawn to the miracles than anything else. Do we truly know who Jesus is? The Messiah is what, is what, it, is what it, Peter says in verse 20. Who do you say I am? Peter answered, God's Messiah. I think Peter was even a little skewed, though. As, as he answered this, you're God's Messiah. If you, if you can think back and let's put ourselves in the context of this, the, the Israelites, the Jewish people, they, they were, they've been told, sorry, I don't know what I'm doing, but they've been told by prophets from long ago that this Messiah is coming and he's going to set them free from Roman oppression, from taxes, from slavery. And they've been told from prophets long ago, a Messiah is coming. And so if you're a slave, if you're oppressed and you're taxed heavily and you're hearing about this Messiah, you're thinking a warrior, right? You're thinking a warrior is coming and he's going to set us free like no one else. And along comes this Jesus guy and he's not quite the warrior that you were expecting. Like he's not quite the guy going out there and kicking tail like you were expecting. Like he's holding kids and he's crying. What too feely guy is this? What kind of Messiah is this? And so they're getting a picture of Jesus right here and they're confused. 
They don't know who he is. Jesus says, who, who do you say I am? And Peter says, God's Messiah. And I think, I think Peter might have even been a little skewed because he's, he's trying to battle with, okay, a Messiah's coming. He's going to be a warrior. He's going to set us free. But Jesus, you don't seem to be that warrior. In fact, you, you kind of be, I don't, I, I don't understand you at all. Who do you say Jesus is? It's easy for us to look back on this scripture and, and to say, people, how can you not see that Jesus is who he says he is? He's, he's healing all these people. I'm going to try to move this, see if that's any better. He's healing all these people. He's doing all these incredible things. How can you not see that the Messiah, the King, is in front of you? It's, it's easy to look back and, and kind of judge them. Yet, like us, we read places in the Bible where it says, man, I won't move, guys. I'll stay just like this, okay? <laughs> We read places in the Bible where Jesus teaches us, and he says, in this world, you will have trouble. Remember that scripture? In this world, you will have trouble. And then in the very next breath, we get mad at Jesus when we do have trouble. Who do you say Jesus is? Do we believe the scripture is true? 2 Corinthians 4.18, you can look that up, is an incredible verse. I know I look awkward, but I don't want this thing to go off here. Second Corinthians 4.18 says, So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Let me read this again. Think about this. Do we do this? So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. This life that we're living is temporary. This skin, this circumstances, everything's temporary. Which I'm glad, because Friday night, we had a sleepover at our house. And a little birdie told us that our house was going to get toilet papered. And so, four girls and myself dressed in black and painted our faces black. And we knew that this, these people were coming at 1230 at night. So we hid in the bushes under blankets and in the cars, and we froze, and, and, and we almost wet ourselves because we were so excited, right? 12.30, sure enough, the van comes up, and all these little junior high punk boys come jumping out with their political signs to put in my yard and toilet paper galore. And I'm texting with Zoe, who's in another spot, and I'm saying, hey, just, just give it three minutes. Like, just wait. Just let them do their thing. Let them think they're having fun. And then we'll annihilate them, you know. And then the countdown, three, two, one, go. And everyone comes running out, and these little boys screaming like little girls, hey, you know. And, and our girls run in, and, and Aaron, I'm going to be 39 pretty soon. Aaron, man, he's like, I'm, I'm going to get some guys. And so I'm running. And, and in the middle of the street, my dog's barking. Kids are going everywhere. One kid's crying, sucking his thumb over here. Like, we're running. And I, and I just I lose my footing. It's one of those old man things, right? And I just go flying. I have huge road rash right here, 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 here. I mean, I'm, I'm just beat up. My phone is, is flying. And so I'm reminded, especially that night and today as I'm walking like this, this is temporary. Do you know this? This is temporary. And I'm so glad it's temporary because it's just not strong. It's getting weaker. P.S., by the way, we took that toilet paper and went and got them later on. It was awesome. So 
But this life is temporary. This skin, this road rash, everything is, is temporary. And I just got to believe that Jesus' life, his death, his resurrection is too valuable to save us from temporary things. Jesus' life, his death, his resurrection is too valuable to save us from temporary things. This message should rock us at the core of who we are. There's heretical teaching. There's wrong teaching all over the place about who Jesus is. It's coming in our churches and our pulpits. It's coming on TVs and books. It's all around us. And we need to test every scripture that comes. And we need to say, God, is this truth? They were looking for a warrior, Messiah. They had the wrong picture of who Jesus was. I think we do the same thing. We put so much faith in this temporary life. Our pleasures, our comfort, the things that happen day in and day out. And we lose sight of the eternal and we live in the temporary Are you looking for a temporal Jesus today? If so, you're looking at the wrong Jesus. Jesus is eternal, and his message radiates throughout all time and space. Do you know him? Are you finding your identity in him? Are you seeking him for advice, for wisdom, for direction? That's the source of life. Everything about today is temporal. If we put our hope in our finances, that may fail. If we put our hope even in our spouses, that may fail. If we put our hope in anything other than Jesus Christ, it will fail. That's great hope for me. Knowing that if we keep our eyes focused on who Jesus is, and he asks us, And he says, Danny, who do you say that I am? We can look at him and say, God, my Messiah, my Savior, my Redeemer, hope and love. Who do you say that he is? Let's go to verse 22. Jesus warned them, don't tell this to anyone. Why do you think he warned them? And if I'm I'm Jesus and I'm doing these cool things, that's a good way to get your, your, the word out, right? It's a good marketing plan. Like, heal someone and then go tell them to tell all their friends. That, that, that would, that'll probably work. But Jesus, we see multiple times, is saying, don't tell this to anyone. Why do you, why do you think he, do, he does this? Go ahead and read your commentaries. Go ahead and pray about it. Ask God to show you. This, this is what I think Jesus is saying. He's saying, my time's not yet here, yet. Like, I want it to be about a relationship. I don't want it to be about my actions and my deeds and what I'm doing. I don't want my name to be known because I'm healing people and, you know, baking a bunch of bread and walking on water. I don't want it to be known by that. I want people to know me because of a relationship and that I love them deeply. And so his time has not yet come. And so let's see why it hasn't come in verse 22. And he said, the son of man must suffer many things. I haven't yet. I haven't yet. The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the teachers of the law and your mothers and your brothers and your sisters and your friends and your employers and your government and your country and America. I need to come and I need to suffer all these things. And I need to be killed on the third day and raised to life. My time has not yet come. 
See, these people are looking for a Messiah, a warrior king. They're confused. They don't quite know who he is. He's not the warrior that they thought he was going to be. And he's saying, it's coming. It's coming. Just wait for it. You'll understand it when it happens. On this side of the story, we can look back and it makes sense to us. But put yourself in that place. If you're looking for a warrior king to set you free, and Jesus is not quite that warrior king, and he's talking about dying, and that's going to be how he defeats things, what are you thinking? Is he a lunatic? What are you thinking? Verse 23. Well, uh, can I hit pause on 22 real quick? Sure I can. You guys spoke for 55 minutes last week. I could go longer. That's all right. (laughs) Dude. I've actually had a lot of people say that was very good, so thank you. I appreciate that. Um, verse 22 is one of those, and, and maybe you'll hear this. This is how a lot of people like to attack Christianity, and, and they'll say, well, all you see right here, you know, Jesus is on the cross, and he's killed on the third day, raised, he's beat, beaten and all that stuff. A lot of people will say this when they're, when they're combating Christianity, and they have issues about Christianity, is they say, all you see right here at Jesus on the cross and getting beating all this is deity child abuse, like God beating his child. And I can't serve a God that does that. And people will believe that with vigor and passion. And I can understand where they're coming from. The cross is pretty gruesome. Jesus could have stepped in at any time. But what people are failing to understand is they've got the wrong picture of God. Right? Jesus lets his son be abused and die on the cross as an ultimate act of love for us, not hate. That was a side note. Let's move on. Verse 23, then he said to, to them all, whoever wants to be my disciples must deny himself and take up their cross. We're going to spend some time on this. This is a good Sunday school lesson right here. If you've been in church, you've heard this. You've seen bumper stickers at this. You know, when it's, an, when it's a hard day, you just some of us will say, I'm going to deny myself and take up my cross. What is our cross? What is it that we're supposed to take up every single day? And as Jesus is teaching, he says in verse 23, he said to them, whoever wants to be my disciple, a follower of me, must deny themselves and take up their cross daily to follow me. This is a very different Jesus than probably what they were expecting. And this is hard for us to think about. It kind of comes down to this, and we alluded to it a little earlier. Is it Jesus for me, or is it me for Jesus? Is it Jesus for me, or is it me for Jesus? And as Jesus is teaching, he's saying it is us for him. He didn't come to be the Santa Claus. He didn't come to just make sure our temporary uh, external things of today are met. And, and we're sitting in a comfortable couch. He didn't come for that. He came for something not temporal. He came for something eternal. He came for hope and love and life. And he came for all of those things. But some of us, we live like Jesus is for me. And it's not me for Jesus. We have a very selfish look on who Jesus is. Jesus says he, he came not to be served, but to serve. Do we live our life serving others and loving others? Jesus' teachings, especially in this powerful little passage right here, just shows us that it goes way beyond good moral teaching. 
We can be good, moral people. We can go to church every week. We can look the part. We can talk the part. But it comes down to are you following the right Jesus? Or do you have a skewed version of what it looks like to take up our cross and follow him? So the question is, what are our crosses that Jesus asks us to bear daily that we're supposed to pick up? What are these crosses? I think it's obedience. I think that's the cross that Jesus is saying, hey, take this up. Robbie, today when you wake up, take up that cross of obedience and obey me, follow me, run after me. I think it's obedience. See, Jesus is praying again in that garden. We'll look back at there, and he says, God, your father, not not my will, but your will be done, right? He's saying, God, I, I want to serve you. And Jesus is saying, take up your cross and follow me daily. That means this. Are you obeying Jesus today? Are you listening for his still, small voice? And are you praying, God, not my will, but your will be done? The question is, how would you have me respond to your love today, God? What is it that you're asking me to do, to be, to to walk in? Are you asking me, God, to quit my job? Are you asking me to get out of that unhealthy relationship? Are you asking me to spend time in his word? Are you asking me to serve others? Are you asking me to give of my time and my resources? Are you asking me to love others? The answer is, what is God saying to you? And our cross that we pick up every day is are we willing to walk in the obedience and the love of Jesus Christ? Sometimes that's hard, isn't it? Because as we look down here, it says you must pick up your cross, or you must deny yourself and take up your cross daily and follow me. Verse 24 says, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. Loses their life for me will save it. It's confusing, especially in America. It's very confusing. What does that mean, to lose our life and to save it? Plenty of people today are living for today. And as this scripture says, they're gaining the whole world, but they're losing everything. And I just have two last names for you, Bieber and Cyrus. I mean, what does it look like to gain the whole world? Seriously, how much is enough? There's never enough. There's always more that you long for, that your flesh desires, that the temporary world is calling out for. It's saying, yeah, you're making $1,000 this week, but you'll be happier if you're making $1,500. And it's not true because then you'll want $2,000. Or you'll be happier when you're driving a car that's one year older. Really? Is that where this happiness is going to come from? So many temporary things are calling out for us saying, hey, follow me into the temporary world. Follow this fake Jesus who's there to give you everything that you need. And Jesus is saying, who do you say that I am? And the world is deceiving us as we even come to church. We listen to his word, and we leave selfish, focused on the temporal. Do you not like what I'm saying today? I don't care. It's in, it's in the Bible. We'll take it up with God. Like, it's here. This is a real message. At Church Project, we're going to be biblical, and we're going to study what God said. And if it offends you, I don't care. Really, I don't. 
I would care if I was adding words to this to try to fluff it up and make it seem better, and then you didn't like what was being said. I would care because I was adding to it, but we're not. If you have issues with what the Scripture is saying, then let's talk. House church, let's talk. The message is not a pretty message. The message is follow Christ. Deny yourself and pick up your cross. Peter, one of the founding people in the Bible, his life ends up, remember? Denies Jesus, Jesus restores him. He ends up dying, being crucified. And his love is radiating out of him so much that he says, crucify me upside down. I don't deserve to be crucified like Jesus my Savior was. Is this a pretty message? No! But this is the message of hope. This is the way that God has designed it to be. And we cannot live in the temporary world. I get stuck in it every day. Woe to me when you see me living in a temporal way today. May you please kick my tail. And remind me that it's beyond more than just my comfort of today. I'm so proud of James and Allie. They're about to go on a little mission to somewhere on the other side of the world, Bangladesh or something, because God's called them to do that. They're going to go serve him there. I don't even know what that looks like or where that's at on the map. But they're following in obedience. They're taking up their cross today to go do this. What is it that Jesus has given us? What is he saying in our life? Where do we find our identity? How do we need to respond to his love and his obedience in our life? I can think back in times of my life where it was really hard not chasing the world. Really hard not fitting in. In high school, going out and drinking with everyone else. Huh? some reason, God kept me from that. I knew that I wasn't supposed to do that. And I got called a lot of names for that. We can chase the pleasures of today, and it'll take us straight to hell. Christ followers, we should be more concerned about loving and serving other people chasing after God than our own flesh. It doesn't feel good. It's not about us. If we think it's about us, we have the wrong picture of who Jesus is. So I'm just going to end with this. I'm going to skip a few things because I need to. Are you and I following the wrong Jesus today? And where do we find our identity? This is where I'm going to ask us, if, if you would, just close your Bibles, shut down your version app. Um, my words, I prayed about a lot, and I know you prayed that my words would be clear today, and I thank you for that, but mine are just my words. Um, what I'm praying for in each one of our lives is that the Spirit is working in you right now. Done deal. The Spirit's showing you something, you know it, and it's personal to you today. So that's what I'm going to ask us to respond in today. If you would, just close your eyes and just hold out your hands in front of you if you're comfortable with it. Say, God, I'm hearing you loud and clear, and I'm receiving what you're saying to me. I accept it.
God, please speak to me personally today. Ask God to do that. So you've listened to the Bible, his word today. Now what? How do you respond to that today? Just have a conversation with God. And then just spend a couple moments just silently to yourself asking or answering this question. Who do you say Jesus is? Just tell him. Who is he to you? Some of us, as we were talking about denying ourselves, are you? Are you denying yourself? Do you live for you or do you live for him? If the answer is you live for you, maybe just in this place, ask God to forgive you of that. Just put that in your hand and say, God, please take that from me. I don't want to live for me anymore. I want to live for you, sold out, passionate for you, following the real Jesus. Ask him to show himself to you today. Are you living for this world or the next? A question in this room for each and every one of us is, are we going to choose Jesus or not today? Don't pretend to believe in a fake Jesus as God's speaking to you, we each have an opportunity to either accept the real Jesus or to walk the way we think we should walk, which is probably wrong. Are you choosing to believe him and his word today? another question for you. Are you all in with Jesus? Or are you holding stuff back? What does your prayer life look like? Are you spending time seeking his face like Jesus did in private? What does your prayer life look like? Some of us, we need to set our alarm clocks earlier so we can have a solid prayer life in the morning. Some of us, we need to put, start putting things in our place throughout the day like stopping at a red light and praying or whatever we can do to remind us. But what does your prayer life look like? Are you seeking him like your life depends on it? I hope so, because there's where hope and life, joy, peace, patience, that's where everything comes from. If we place our trust and hope in anything temporary or people, it could backfire on us. Jesus is the source of our identity. Jesus is the center of everything. He's the circumference of everything. Everything comes from him. And everything goes back to him. And that is great promise and a great truth.
I'm going to ask James and Allie to come up and lead us in some worship today. This is just as in worship like last week. This is questioning worship. Like, do you believe these words? Is this message alive in your heart? Can you declare this? Can you sing this? Can you march in this? Are these words healing? Do they mean something to you? Or are you just focused on this afternoon? I'm going to ask us all to stand up and we'll go through a time of, of just worshiping God. And in this place, there's a couple ways we can do that today. One is maybe you're saying, I need prayer. Shannon's in the back. Danny is in the front. We would love to pray with you with what God may be showing you or, or teaching you or just something that you need prayer over. There's people here that love you. You're not here. Uh, you're not alone here. There's people here that love you. If you need prayer, go to them immediately. Or maybe in this place, you, you just, you just want to take that response card and write your prayer down. Or you want to talk to a pastor or something, mark that down and put it in the offering place over there. Maybe, of us, maybe some of us is just sitting where we're at or standing where we're at and really letting these words penetrate our heart and our mind. Let it sink into what James even said earlier. That we are in the throne room of God. And what a cool opportunity we have to sing praises to Him. God, continue to work in this place. I pray that every single one of us responds the way that you want us to respond, God. And I pray that we're not following a fake Jesus and this message is penetrating us, God. And that we are coming alive in you. Help us not be a person that walks in the temporary but walks in the eternal. I thank you for your love for us today.